What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Bagged and Boarded. I am your host, Matt Cohen. You know me. I'm that guy. The guy you've seen in those things. What are they called? Oh, that's right. Hammocks? Yeah, it's me. Everyone's favorite hammock sitter, Matt Cohen. How's it going? Uh, guys, today we have a very, very special episode. One I have been um, looking forward to since this show started. Um, the gentleman I got the chance to speak with today, I am a massive fan of, a massive supporter of, uh, he happens to be the man who created the theme song to the very show you're listening now, and, uh, one of my favorite rappers of all time, and a genuinely funny, nice, geeky guy, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, lowercase, no dots, Please welcome to Bagged and Boarded, my friend and yours, Mr. MC Chris. And as a special treat, here's a sneak preview of a track off MC Chris's new album, MC Chris Forever. Enjoy. Where the ghost
ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the man of the hour. Uh, please welcome MC Chris. What's going on, dude? How you doing, man? Good to have you. Thank you for having me. I, both had both ways, dude. Um, it's it's been a having in the making too, man. I've been I've been trying not actively trying to get you on this show, I'd say, but it's definitely been out in the ether for a few years now. Um, I guess we should talk about how we first kind of hooked up, almost. Um, sure. Yeah, no, I was a fan of yours. I, I was a fan of yours going back to the Adult Swim days of Hash and Pee Pants and all that fun stuff, which I'm sure we'll, we'll chat about. Um, and the first time I really knew about you as a solo artist was around Zack and Miri when Kevin put Fetch Vet in the movie. And the first time I heard it, I went online and downloaded every song you'd ever done. And yeah, with, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of content there to discover. Yeah, dude, and within, within a day, I, I was fucking hooked. And uh, around the time... Kevin and I were starting the Smod Castle. Um, I, I knew uh, you were, you'd obviously been, he'd used Fetch Vet and Zach and Miri, and that you'd written another song for the, for the flick. Uh, what, is there an official title on that other song? Uh, no, I think we just call it Zach and Miri. Right. And you can, you can go to mcchris.com and download all my Smodcast songs, and I think that we threw that in there too. Yeah, so I think you did on that Bandcamp thing, right? And um, so I knew that you obviously were a fan of Kevin, so so on a, on a whim, I asked Kevin, and I was like, hey, dude, is it cool to reach out to MC Chris to try to get like a, a theme for the Smodcastle or maybe even like the Smod, live Smod shows? And Kevin was like, yeah, absolutely, that'd be awesome. And I, I think I just hit you up on Twitter or Facebook, dude, and I was like, hey, man, I work for Kevin. Uh, we uh we're looking for a song and and that kind of we went off to the races after that man I think yeah we made a lot of songs for you guys shit dude in total what was it like seven songs or something maybe eight not sure but it was a lot of fun in- and, including uh, the theme song to this show which I have to thank you for dude are are my songs still being used um I absolutely use uh, yeah I believe so I I mean I'm not super up on all the shows but. Your song has been the bagged and boarded theme song for the last, like, two and a half, three years every episode. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, man. Oh, no worries, dude. Do you remember that song by any chance? I'm just curious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Do I you... think it's really one of the better ones. Do you remember every song you've ever written, dude? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, before I tour, I have to review my stuff and and because it's starting to get up there the numbers starting to get pretty high especially with with the double album coming out and we're out already yes. and we'll definitely yes. we'll definitely get to that but so yeah you you were fucking more than kind to lend your talents to Smodcastle, and and we were mc chris out through the roof and then you did the theme for the jay and silent bob movie and, and you've, yeah. done, you've done a ton of stuff for, for kevin, kevin has been very awesome to me he's just been uh very supportive and and i definitely feel like we're cut from the same cloth and we both love a lot of the same things, hip hop and comics and nerdy stuff and um and music and uh you know he's definitely been so supportive of me and it was really amazing to uh, as we were starting to talk about the animated movie um i did I started watching all of the Kevin Smith movies and took really <laughs> fastidious notes and uh you know we were just riffing on all different kinds of ideas, including making an e p just about uh um, View askew style. His, un- his, un- his universe, yeah. uh, like the characters in the universe, and uh, so you know, I don't know if we'll ever make that, but it was really cool to riff with him. It was during a really difficult time in my life, and he was definitely just kind of there out of nowhere, out of the ether, and he just was being really supportive, really awesome, calling me a genius, and um, and then the stuff we made for the animated movie was um, a lot of fun. 
and I thought it worked really well with the um, cartoon, and uh, that was awesome to watch that in Times Square and then get interviewed by him. It was really cool because I'm a fan. So no, I know, dude, and and that's I why get nervous. when I met him, I was totally <laughs> nervous and shaking and shit. So. I believe me, me too. The first time, in a weird way, dude, I feel I feel like I somehow facilitated getting two of my favorite artists together, and it makes me super no, happy. Was, still, yeah, all, yeah. Like, you, Matt, it was all <laughs> you just having an idea and making it happen, and that led to a lot of work. No, I'm super happy about that, dude. Yeah, yeah. No worries, man. And now we're we're a few years later, and um, and you've done a bunch of stuff in the interim, but but maybe let's jump back a little bit. Um, for folks who might not know your work, I mean, I'm sure everyone has either seen the cartoons or, or heard at least a few of the bigger songs, but uh, you, you, weren't, you weren't always going to be a rapper, right, dude? Like, that wasn't a childhood no, dream, No, it was, was never it? part of the plan. When, as a kid, I never thought I would be a rapper. I just always rapped because I loved hip-hop, and I was, like, kind of the one person playing hip-hop when I went to school. It wasn't really a big thing yet. Where'd, and, you, where'd you grow up? Uh, in, it's, like, 30 miles north of Chicago in a little town called Libertyville, Illinois, and... Um, yeah, I was the one playing it, made mixtapes, and was putting on everyone's mixtapes, and then also just kind of learning the stuff, going to and from school, just memorizing the songs I would listen to as I commute, and um, it just became something that I loved, and I think I always really loved to beat, um, and then when I got to college, I kind of started to fraternize with um, musicians, punk rock musicians, pop punk, and... Um, you know, I would just be the guy that would rap. I didn't know much about punk, but I knew a lot about hip hop. But they let me hang out because they're just nice people. Now, had you and, had you uh, had you written stuff to that point, or were you just like you know rap, no, rapping like other people's part, music it was like and a party shit? Party trick. Yeah. I would yeah. like bust out some black sheep or <laughs> you know stuff that I had memorized. Totally, and, dude. Uh, my my parents used to make me. I knew doggy style. I had doggy style memorized when I was like nine or ten. And I used to rap Murder Was The Case for, like, family, friends, and at, like, functions and shit. Uh, <laughs> which, in retrospect, is a weird thing to have my parents, like, have me to do a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I rapped when I was little, I think, as a, as a joke. Uh, I used, there was this play in Chicago called Rap and Ronnie, and uh, I would pretend to be Ronald Reagan and rap for my mom's bridge club. <laughs> that would be the, that'd be the true beginning of everything but you know in college it was just kind of a party trick and uh if i was like watching one of the bands play and they broke a string they'd have me come up and i'd start rapping and by the time the guitar was fixed they'd kick me off the stage and and then that it turned into them like making me beats and saying come on over after work and uh i would come on over and um you know it was it was just there was definitely an evolution there but it was definitely nothing i ever planned on doing it was always that fun thing I was doing while I was always focused on film and screenwriting, which was my major in college. And um, after college, I did PA work, production assistant work. And rapping was just like a way to let loose. You know, you'd come home from a day of being a production assistant and do some bong hits and write Fets Vet, not really <laughs> thinking that it would be the thing that it's become. You know, it was never, I never thought of it like that. Well, well, so it's really crazy that it became what it became. So when you first started writing writing your own rap, was that with the Lee Majors? Was that the first kind uh, of yeah, musical I'd thing? Yeah, so. I'd say so. Uh, the Lee Majors was uh, members of a punk band called Dirt Bike Annie. And, you know, they'd get bored making their own style and they'd want to switch up genres because they would jump all over the place because we loved bands like Ween and, um, you know, bands that just didn't, weren't really attached to one genre. Yeah, totally. And, um, and so I'd come over and I, and I, they'd have something already like laid down and, um, and then I would 
come home from work and find a message on my machine saying, we have a beat for you, come on over. And, you know, I'd write the song while I'd drink a 40 and, uh, you know, and it would be by the time I'd, we just kind of do it in one night. It was, it was definitely like write it as fast as you can record it and have it be done. And as, as these songs began to like, as they began to have more and more of them, I just kind of fell in love with them and love listening to them and love wanting to do more. And it was kind of an addiction. Now, some of your early stuff, and even some of your, I mean, some of your, your songs in general aren't as, let's say, I mean, everything you do is geeky, dude, but, but like, something like um, uh, Awesome Fucker or some of the early stuff is more kind of traditional rap. When did you hit on, like, oh, I'm going to rap about, like, geek shit and stuff I'm into? And fucking- I think right when I just started interacting with an audience and I saw who they were, and uh, then I was like, okay, well, they like Fett's Vet. Um, and then, so I wrote geek. Um, and so, I mean, it was always kind of parodying hip hop, which is why my name was in the, in a lot of the, the first, like the first song titles I ever did. My name was in all of them. Totally. And I just my name a lot in the song. Exactly. And how good you are and, in sex and the typical like rap thing, but always, yeah, always a parody really of it. To hit, yeah. those, hit those beats or motifs of hip hop. Um, but then once adult swim got on, on air and a, my songs got on air and, uh, I got a reaction from people. Then I saw that who they were, and and I saw that they were a lot like me. And that I wasn't even really—I never re- even really thought of myself as a geek. And I don't think anyone would have described me as a geek in high school. But I loved Star Wars. I loved comics. I loved a lot of geeky things uh, like video games and no, all that I, stuff's I, kind of mass market now. But at the time, um, it was just a part of who I was. And I never really put a label on it. And I'm absolutely yeah. it. I'm absolutely the same way, man. I never, ever, I mean, I never, I thought I was cool in high school. I never thought of myself as a geek or anything. But then years later, when I looked at the catalog of my life and everything I was into, I was like, oh my God, I was the biggest fucking geek on the planet. I just didn't know it. I just thought I liked the stuff I liked. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, there, there are some things there that are definitely some trademarks of being a geek, like unrequited love and (laughs) picked on and and there's a lot of stuff there that um a lot of people had gone through and i just once i saw that i wasn't alone and i understand what kind of music i was making then i just you know like you say i was off to the races that's awesome dude it's really easy to write now was fed's vet like the first thing you really kind of got out there um yeah well i had made uh a cd and um you know, in conjunction with C-Lab, they played Fets Vet on C-Lab, and we had something online ready to go because we had my website in the credits. And so we had four songs for free at my website, and, like, everyone downloaded it, and it was really amazing. And yeah. we we went into business with the second record, and then we once we started seeing money, then we were really blown away. And, you know, it was just something we never would have expected. No, totally. And once it happened, we're like, oh, shit. Uh, you know, we definitely didn't know what to do, but we just—I just kept on making it and still am at it. Just to jump back a sec, how did you first hook up with the guys at Adult Swim with C Lab and the, and then Aqua Teen at UCB? At UCB, because uh, I, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what part of your story the UCB fa- factored into. Because I know even when I did UCB and I was already a fan of yours, I would hear that you had done the theater and that you you were mutual friends with everyone. You did a couple shows at the theater, so you were already kind of on the comedy radar in the early 2000s, I think, before I'd even really seen the Adult Swim stuff. Yeah, I mean, I was, I don't know if I was on the radar, but I was definitely in the box office as an intern, and uh, I was friends with a girl who also worked in the box office, and she was friends with Dave Willis, and they went out for a drink one night, 
and I tagged along just bumming beers because I didn't have any money. And uh, I got drunk, and um, I had this trick that I could do where I could drink a pint of beer in under five seconds, and I would bet someone that if I could do that, that I wouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> That's how I got drunk. That's and, a good trick, dude, uh, yeah. And so Dave bought my beers, and I made him laugh. He gave me his business card. It had Space Ghost on it, and he said we could use somebody like you, and I was blown away by that moment i was like oh my god because i had always drawn cartoons i had always loved disney i was always a cartoon fanatic um but it was just something i never really studied in school because it's the process of it just kind of uh numbed my brain or just wasn't something i was very interested in but i i could draw i could write i could do voices i could act um and uh you know i said i would never move down to georgia which is where william street was right in in atlanta yeah yeah to Atlanta and then he introduced me to Adam Reed and Adam asked you know can you draw and I said yeah I can do that better than I can do anything else and and they you know hired me after you know showing them my sketchbook and um, they had me do a test of Captain Murphy and um, and then on the first day of work they had me record Hesh and um, it was an amazing job you know and there was a whole year there where we were making the show and um, before it aired and uh, I just felt really confident about, you know, that it was going to be something big. And they said, we're moving to Atlanta. And I went with them. And um, and then I started working with William Street. After I had been with Adam for a while, I moved over to William Street, started working on things like Brack Show, Aqua Teen. And while I was over there at William Street proper, then I started to, you know, I started to get more roles on Aqua Teen, started to become more involved with Brack, wrote a couple episodes of Brack. And um, it was an amazing experience. At the end of it, they made me, uh, producer of, cart- of com- commercials and started making spots for things like Family Guy and Robot Chicken and Venture Brothers like the first time they came onto the network. And um, But I was always making music and the music was always making money and started to make more and more. Then it was making more than what I made at Cartoon Network. Yeah, and I-, I was going to ask, wh- where did the two cross? With P-Pants? Is that when people really knew who you were outside of the, the voice stuff, do you think? Uh, no, I think it was right at the premiere. I think I, I came on the scene right when Adult Swim did. Right and um, right then, we had a lot of feedback, a lot of fans. We had message boards, and we, you know, things happened right away, very fast. Because I think there wasn't anything there, and I just filled that hole. And um, there was a lot of people that were kind of, that wanted something like that. Yes. Um, and, that, and that brings up an interesting subject, too, because um, nowadays you, your music, I guess, is, is kind of confined to the subgenre of, of nerdcore a lot of the time. And I know that's something um, that you've kind of been murky on over the years, but, but now you've come to accept it. But when you started, dude, there was no nerdcore, right? Um, yeah, I didn't know about it. Um, I didn't know that there was people doing what I was doing. But it makes sense to me because a lot of the ingredients were very similar in a lot of people's lives, Star Wars and hip-hop. and Totally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And hip-hop always being about talk about your own life, represent your own experience. And so it just made sense that the experience would change um, given that the audience had changed and it had become more of a universal global audience and that anyone could listen to it. And so they were going to talk about a variety of experiences. And one of those experiences was going to be the nerd experience. Um, but no... When I was writing it, uh, I always was just thinking about my own life, what I liked, you know, what I thought was good, what what was funny to me, and uh, experiences that I had or had seen or witnessed. You know, um, I had no idea that that I couldn't have predict- predicted nerdcore for sure. You know, and then it came on the scene, and and it was very difficult in the beginning because I didn't 
like it a lot and they're all really angry at me and so it was a very difficult thing in the beginning and now it's totally different you know i'm friends with a lot of folks yeah you're, you're super supportive of new and young artists you always bring them out on tour and stuff yeah i mean it's it's i think it's not a big deal i think in the beginning i was just uh kind of fighting reality that there were other people that were like me and i just <laughs> thought of myself as such an individual that it was just an impossibility but i was totally wrong uh you know and if anything it should have been a more of a bonding experience, but I think I was just so used to being alone and doing my own thing that it was hard for me to, you know, collaborate and to socialize even. (laughs) (laughs) No, I get it though, dude. Yeah. I mean, and I think a lot of, a lot of people listening to this show and just fans of yours in general can relate to, to similar stuff like that in their life. Cause you spend so much time thinking I'm the only person who likes this stuff. And then, yeah. and then all of a sudden, there are Superman shirts at every store in America. You know, it's it's kind of the yeah. whole mainstreaming. I mean, very, of, when yeah. you come up with this stuff, it's it's a you know, I was very isolated when I would write these things, and I'd play them for my punk rock friends, and they they thought it was good and all, but they were like, eh, okay, great, I don't get it, but good, <laughs> you know. And so I was, I felt very alone for a long time, but I was entertaining myself, and um, and that's something that I've always kind of. Something I've always kind of stuck by is that if I'm enjoying it and I'm having a good time, then other people will too. But yeah, in the beginning, I was definitely standoffish and afraid of being a part of a collective. But now I'm, you know, I love my peers, you know, the people that I tour with and the people that I'm friends with. And we go out to eat here in New York, the ones of us that are on the East, the the few of us that are on the East Coast. And it's all copacetic and cool. And some people still get angry and still get mad, but I, I understand that stuff a little better now and how to process that stuff. No, I get you, dude. Um, now, at any when you started blowing up and, and and making all this money on your own without a label, at any point, did the music industry come knocking on your door? Yeah, in the beginning, I had a lot of meetings and sat down with a lot of people. And, you know, I think I was um, at the beginning of the way things were kind of are standard now, like just being online, how to use uh grassroots to to create something and yeah you don't you don't need a label or a studio anymore yeah totally sat me down they're like how do you do this how do you have this and i would tell them and they'd be like great get the fuck out of here you know (laughs) and uh you know so it wasn't nobody was really interested in signing me except for um the twins from good charlotte they had like a label and and they kind of encouraged me to to quit cartoon network and i was I made that choice and decided to do that, and, and I'm glad I did. Um, but you know, like they encouraged me to do that. But like the, what the situation was when I came to New York, once I landed, I saw that it was totally different than what I thought it was going to be. And um, they really didn't have anything to offer, and I was still going to be very self self sufficient, and and I'd have to rely on myself. And the more and more I understood that, the more I just kind of fired them and pushed them away, and because they wanted to manage and get some of the money and I realized I could probably do this on my own and, and make more money at it too, you know? So at, w- at what point, like let's say what year did you go full-time uh, rap? Uh, it was 2005. Right on. And uh, we started touring, you know, Good Charlotte got us a manager. I showed him all the email requests I had for tour and we had booked a tour in a, in a month and they put us out in January and I had like touched down in December and all those January shows were packed, and they all sold out, and uh, it was crazy. It was just like they were starving, you know, and you see them handing out bags of rice and flour after a crisis. That's, that's what that <laughs> tour was like, you know, and uh, 
it was really crazy and it was really great. And they all knew the words to the songs. And um, so that was really encouraging. You know, that was really amazing. And um, but now, you know, I I, I want to make a show now and, and be get back into TV. So having left Cartoon Network, was it was great to have the experiences I've had and I wouldn't do it any other way. But now it's it's kind of like I miss having that regular thing and uh, miss having a job to go to and uh, career advancement and health insurance and all that stuff. It's weird when you're an artist, you you can't wait to be an artist. It's all you want to do. And when you're at a desk, that's all you can daydream about. Then you get to be an artist and there's a certain point where it gets scary because you don't have that label always holding you up. But I found that label to be a really scary construct that you can't really rely on. So, um, But the, the good news is, is that the MC Chris thing it just gets stronger and, and the the fan base gets bigger and um, you know the sales are getting better and better and um, it's something that just isn't dying. I think I would have had to have sadly marched back into some place and asked for a job, but I haven't had to because it's just been going so well. And all, it, all on and your own, own too. Stop. Yeah. yeah, which is scary. No, totally, and all on your own for over a decade too, which is pretty amazing and, and I would say unheard of or almost unheard of in the music industry at large, right? Everyone, everyone shows up and they're. Uh, a big flash in the pan. They get label support. They make videos, and they're all over the place. And and then they go away after a couple albums. And um, so there's a there's a lot of slow and steady with me. And then I just kind of keep at what I'm doing. I try to keep it cheap. Um, I don't I don't spend a lot of money on things like videos. And um, you know I just try to run the tightest ship I can. And so we we get to continue to survive every year. And we tour regularly every year. And um, it's just been going really well. There's a lot of bands like this, like, um, you know, Real Big Fish and and uh, folks that uh, just keep touring. Oh, totally. I mean, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fish head, and Fish has never been on a label, and they're, they just had their 30th anniversary. They're one of the biggest, you know what I mean, touring bands yeah, ever. Yeah, it is possible. It is de- it's definitely possible. I mean, I was lucky to have this fan situation that I had, and uh, I think Adult Swim gave me that amazing gift of the, the initial audience, and then there was just a lot of passing around of tracks and people that liked it liked it and liked it a lot and you know it's been able to keep the business alive and and that's been amazing and so you know i think uh i tried to create a cartoon and and sell that yeah i wanted to talk about the mc chris cartoon a little bit yeah yeah and i i tried to you know jump back into the old tv world and it didn't work out and i sobered up at the same time too and was kind of reeling from my father's death and and went into therapy, and, and it helped me um, get to this new point that I'm at now where you just kind of accept the, accept the fact that who you are and what you do. And uh, and the thing that I do is pretty amazing, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, dude, and I mean, you say it didn't work out in the sense that no network bought it, but I mean, everyone can go online to YouTube if they haven't seen it now. You did produce, like, a, a test for the show, and it, it's fucking awesome. So it worked out. Thank you very much. That- I mean, and we haven't given up on it, and we still continue to tell the story on the albums. And um, But, you know, it was more of a, you know, you have a lot of confidence when you're a young person, and then at some point you hit a wall, and reality just kind of comes flooding in. And, um, and I, I think I got the, I think I got through that okay, because I was able to deal with the fact that, uh, or just kind of appreciate the fact that I have this amazing job. I'm basically a a poet for a living and I'm a living artist and, and I'm, I can pay my rent and my bills and, and, um, you know, I can, I can buy video games (laughs) and (laughs) I can have a good time. And, you know, I don't know where this is all going and how long I can keep it going. But um, 
I'm, you know, it's not slowing down right now. No one's, no one's telling me to stop it. I mean, some people are every day telling me to stop, but, uh, there's, there's nothing that's going to make me stop right now because the sales are so great and the fans are so great. Um, and so it's a really great situation. So I think the reason this past year has gone so well for me is because I kind of accepted what my job is and I did it to the best of my ability with a clear head and it really went well, you know, and so. That's Sales awesome, dude. Improving and tours have uh, been improving. We're going to be doing a Warp Tour this summer again, and, and the double albums have uh, been selling like hotcakes. Yeah, I guess let's, really let's, ju- let's jump into forever a little bit. And speaking of tours, there's a lot of – I asked uh, the internet for some questions, and most of them have to do with when is he coming to my specific to city my or country, oh, country. <laughs> a lot are you of coming to my country? Probably not. <laughs> a lot of those too, dude. If That's you want to fly them, right? Um Forever. I mean, is that how are we calling it? Forever. Is that the official title? Forever. Forever. All right. Um, this is your first double album, correct? Double album. Yeah. And uh, I've been written five of these albums because I love the subject matter so much. And um, you know, after coming uh, from a death of a parent, I was in a really bad place, and so I, I just kind of wanted to deal with it head on. So I, I was dealing with ghosts and. Reading a lot about ghosts and um, did you read you know. by any chance? Did you read the book by Hans Holzer called Ghosts? It's my it's one of my favorite things ever, dude. No, I didn't. I read Dan Aykroyd's father's book. Okay, about the paranormal. There's a guy. Yeah. Na- there's a guy named Hans Holzer who is like a German. Um, he's one of the preeminent like paranormal investigators, and it's like a six hundred page paperback book of just hundreds and hundreds of case files that he investigated himself. Mm-hmm. It's real fucking cool, dude. That was one of my big. Uh, no, I mean, I I love this stuff. I love haunted houses. I love ghosts, and I love the Ghostbusters. One of my favorite movies from my childhood, and it was a really fun album to make, and um, and it was a cathartic experience too because I was dealing with some heavy things. And you've got but, some personal songs on there, which which I'm not going to say you don't typically rap about personal stuff, but on this album specifically, there are a few songs that that are about you, and you know what I mean. Yeah, I think that. Um, you know, I think that's what's interesting about following me as an artist is that it's it's a story and you get to see how I change and how I deal with things. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of crises that happen and you get to see me deal with it and survive and move on. And, and I think that's really helpful to the folks that follow me and, and that are listening. And um, But, yeah, there's, there's always been like a personal um, undercurrent to all of my work. And so it's always kind of been there, but this album I was definitely trying to not be as veiled about it and just be like really upfront about where I'm at and how I'm doing. And um, if anything, it's just kind of a um, I'm checking in with the with the fans. That's what they do. And I don't know if I'll ever do this again. I think the last tour I talked a lot too, where I just kind of let them know where I was and what I was thinking. To be fair, though, you talking is some of my favorite parts of your show, man. Like oh, the, the, ban- the banter in between the songs and the improv. Yeah, we try to keep it interesting. I mean, I in the beginning I did that because I needed to catch my breath because I have asthma. I needed to like get my heart <laughs> a little bit. But now I just do it because it's like I love it. That's awesome. And dude. I always think of that that brother in in the movie Crumb who writes more and more dialogue as, as he continues to make comics and, and like the and the cartoon part of it kind of becomes smaller and smaller yeah, until yeah. this bubble entirely takes up the panel. And I think that's that's me sometimes. I definitely love to talk. I love to do comedy and jokes and skits and that's just part of me. But I, I still love to make music because music is always a challenge no matter what you're doing. As soon as you start a song, you have to get down to the business of fixing it, and what do I do, what do I do to like make this better? How do I make how do I live with this thing? 
And so there's, as soon as you start it, it's a challenge and you want to finish it. Now, let's take forever uh, specifically, because at this point you've made a, a, a lot of fucking music, man. So when you sit down to write a double album, I don't even know if you sat down to write a double album. No, I didn't. At, at, <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't stop writing. At this point, where, where does it start? Because uh, do, do you get a beat? Do you, do you pick the theme first? Do you, do um, you... I pick the theme first, and then I do research. Uh, in this case, like I said, I read a lot of books about ghosts. I read the Ghostbusters novelization. I, you know, watch a lot of ghost movies. Um, so I just do research for a really long time, take meticulous notes. I filled a whole notebook with information about the Ghostbusters That's and ghosts so and the other awesome, topics uh, that I that I sing about or rap about on the record. And uh, and then we then we started having meetings uh, with my producer about uh, beats, and we we were knocking it out really fast. I think we did like ten beats in like three days. We were doing like three beats a session and. And it was just moving extremely fast, and um, you know, uh, it was a great experience. But we just kept going, and uh, because I really felt like quantity was what I wanted to go for. I mean, quality is always important, but I felt like I really wanted to uh, do something different and give you as much bang for the buck as possible. Well, what's know? what's cool too is, dude, because at this point in your catalog, you've got you've got how many you know studio albums, and then you've got also got your kids' album, Marshmallow Playground, right? Um, and then you've also got the, the LPs, or excuse me, the um, EPs. Right. Like I get a mix up too. Yeah, I, I never know the difference. It's extended, but it's smaller. Okay, and L is limited? Yeah, I don't know. No, man. L would be full. See, I don't get what the L stands for, dude. L's limited, but it's bigger. And extended is smaller. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't make any fucking sense. What it is, but yeah. but so there's always so there's a variation. And, and you also do like the April Fool songs, which are some of my favorite tracks you've ever done. Yeah. Working on the next April Fool's song as we speak. Oh, nice, dude. Every time someone ever mentions the show Twin Peaks to me, the first thing I do is play your song for them. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. That's what it takes. Um, and then, you, and then you've also got, which are some of my favorite things you've done, which are, I guess, the compilation albums with the Snowbots, like Apple, Apple Tummy and Apple Long. Yeah, we do those. Um, and usually that's just for live. We're trying to come up with live remixes. And, and I think that's just because I want to see if there's something we can do to a song to make it just even more awesome, and um, and then I think people will really enjoy those records, and so we're excited okay. to make the new one. And then and then speaking of remixes, you also do the remix contest. Uh, yes, that'll be in March. Is it'll there be... one for Forever Awesome, man? Yes, we're going to have actually three contests this year. Uh, one remix contest, one video music video contest, and then one t-shirt art contest, and each one will have a $500 prize, and hopefully everyone can get that in before April 1st, and... Um, Probably not. Now that I think about it, that's like only three weeks. But we'll be we'll be announcing that soon. I wanted to get the record in everyone's hands first. But uh, yeah, so three contests this year, and I love the remix contest. So much cool stuff comes if you want to listen so to badass, remixes yeah. on the music page at mcchris.com. They're always there. They're always awesome. The fans well, are the best part about the whole. Well, thing. I was just gonna say, dude, you, you you're lucky to have incredible fucking fans from from the remixes, and you mentioned music videos. Like you said earlier, you don't spend a lot of money on videos, but you don't no, need they, to. They make it for your, me. Your fans make the dopest money. videos ever, dude. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great job. They're it's a really creative uh, bunch of people, and and, then, and they, they give do they, amazing work, and, and they, then and they give back people, too. I was gonna end up on the records. You oh, know, that's awesome. Yeah. So good. I on forever we fan did like. Uh, three of the beats, another fan did one of the beats, so, you know. Ooh, that's awesome, man. And they're also incredibly, they give back, too, I should mention, because you, you are very charitable, uh, specifically for cystic fibrosis. Yeah. And you do uh, a, a lot of auctions. 
you're auctioning off your toys and stuff like that. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, uh, my nephew has cystic fibrosis, which is this disease that makes it kind of difficult to breathe. And, and when you get sick, you get really sick. And it's it's kind of a scary existence. They have shortened lifespans and only go into the 30s. And, um, and as soon as I found out about this, I, I wanted to kind of put my fan base to use. And because we were all just kind of like sitting outside of 7-Eleven, kind of kicking a rock around with nothing really <laughs> to do. And, um, and then we just started raising money. We've raised uh, over $130,000. Awesome, uh, and it might be more than that because the last sale, the Ghostbuster sale, was really huge. Um, but yeah, I, I have, you know, I live in a hoarder's uh, maze <laughs> of nerd junk. And so I'm always trying to get rid of it, even though the piles just get higher, higher and higher. And, and so we do these bidding wars on eBay for the stuff that I have. And, and I send them like goodies and secret stuff, candy and and you know those old movie um, cards, those like baseball cards. Oh yeah, totally. The gum. top tops movie. Send like a so. couple of those and uh, some weird stuff in there and some confetti. Ruin <laughs> the spoiler that there's confetti in those surprise bags. Um, but you know, like I just feel like if you do something good, you should get something extra special, good, not just what you're expecting and. Um, then we also raise money on tour. We have a bucket, and people are always putting money in there. And so we do those two things every year. And we've already raised like twenty seven hundred this year, and and um, hopefully I'll have a couple more eBay sales before I head out on tour this summer. But it's always something that we're going to do. Um, the fans are really amazing about uh, donating their their money to the cause, and um, and it's really great. It's I feel it makes it 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 kind of gives purpose to what we're doing. I mean even though there is that purpose there of trying to make people feel better about themselves and, um, you know, have some self-confidence and stuff like that, which I think is really, tr- uh, important. And it's really something that really happens. Um, that's something they really need. They need to hear these things, even though you think it's an obvious thing to tell someone. Um, but we also are helping out with this charity, which is also just icing on the cake. No, you totally know? dude. I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's great work. I actually specifically about this, um, Tyler head on uh, Facebook asked, um, he says, I really like your charity work and, and donating your collection pieces on eBay to raise money. What toys or statues or anything are your favorite that you could just not bring yourself to donate? So I guess, which of, um, your, which of well, your pieces couldn't you never part with? I have my Boba Fett from childhood. Um, the so, Ke- Kenner? I mean Hasbro? Yeah, that I'm looking at like right, right now. I mean, I have this, I have a couple of things that I don't like to donate uh, if somebody knits me something, I usually keep that. I have like all different kinds of like little knit versions of Hesh and and MC Chris, the MC Chris cartoon. That's great, man. And, um, different hats, like there's a Boba Fett ski mask somebody knit me, and um, you know if they if people make art for me, I really don't want to give that up. Um, but the rest of it, I try to give up because I I you know I need room. <laughs> I need, <laughs> it's like it's, I have walls and walls of stuff. I think so, at a certain point that becomes the biggest dilemma in the life of any geek or any collector is is at what point can I stop? I know. I stopped I stopped buying comic books. Uh, Me too, dude. So. That was a big one because my closets used to be like ten long boxes and no clothing. Yeah, I have like eight uh, bo- white boxes of comics, and I hope to sell all those too. Uh, but yeah, I've started to look at it, watch it on my uh, iPad, and um, read them on my iPad. And, and yeah, me too, I'm, actually. I'm, yeah. Better. <laughs> it takes up a lot less space. It's anything to cut down on the physical media at this point, man. Yeah, Unfortunately, there's, there's, tons of it. there's tons of it, but and there's there's lots of stuff that I have a Brack cookie jar on my desk that I probably won't ever get rid of. 
there are some things that I that I love because you know you want to get rid of all your stuff, but you still want to like have your important things around you because it makes you feel good. Totally, you know? my problem. My- yeah, my problem is everything is important, man. <laughs> well, that's the trick is that I always hold it up and I think of my nephew's face and I. There you go. Yeah, when you have, I actually, my mom. Um, when I moved out of the house, she gave all of my toys, which was every Ninja Turtle and every Ghostbusters figure ever, to my little cousin. And I, when I found out, I was fucking furious. I think he was eight at the time. Right. And uh, I was like, get him back. My mom goes, okay, you can call your eight-year-old cousin who's currently playing with your Ninja Turtle toys, 23-year-old Matt, and, and ask for them back. And there was a real moment where I almost did, but then I had to let it go. Once you have pull a little kid into it, man, you, you feel kind of bad yeah, about yourself. I mean, I, I really hate that I sold my comics from when I was young because it was so much, I mean, so many important issues that could have made a lot of money for me now. Same, <laughs> same, same exact way, dude. But I guess, I mean, the thing I've been doing recently is like the, the real big touchstones that meant a lot to me as a kid that I don't have, uh, I've been rebuying. Like I recently bought a Technodrome on eBay. Yeah, I've been buying some things too. I just Ghostbusters got the, Firehouse. I bought Joker stories ever told uh, right hardcover. Uh, I got a first printing of Stephen King's It uh, that I used to awesome. sneak out of my brother's room. I definitely. I'm not getting any better at acquiring things. Oh no, the problem with me as I get older too is I get I I become obsessed with new things. Like in the last year or two, I've really gotten into like anime and manga, and I've I've gone to Tokyo on like a shopping trip. So my house is now just fucking one piece toys and like uh attack on titan stuff yeah that's that's a uh huge universe to scratch the surface of oh man i mean good luck yeah no it's oh it's already i'm way over my head man i'm drowning i'm drowning as it is um get one of those uh many alert bracelets i exactly yeah uh, i've fallen and i can't get up because i'm i'm li- well that was the thing too especially um uh, I was debating if I wanted to move my comics from New York to L.A., and I had this vision of me at, like, 70 years old, collapsed under piles of long boxes and no one being there to help me. Uh, and yeah, I, I, have fa- I have fantasies about it all being gone. Right, me too, dude. Having a couple of things. A lot of the time I go, like, you know, minimalist might be nice, and then I realize, like, I've spent my entire life accruing this collection, and I would be nothing without it. Um, but that's just my own hang-up, man. Uh... So speaking back to, back to the albums, dude. Now, forever, especially because of the double album nature and the skits, um, which, which I don't want to get into spoil any of the skits because it is one story. But Thank you. you've really been building a mythos to your kind of universe, man. Going back, yeah. going back a while, but but definitely starting on like what MC Chris is dead or or go, right? No, it starts it starts with the first album, Life's a Bitch and I'm a Pimp. Uh, you know, we do office scenes, and you, then we is have it you and um John Gemberling, right? John Gemberling and and John Bowie uh, were both on the first album. They're both UCB guys, and now they're all over the place on TV and Big Bang Theory and Broad City and stuff like that. Gemberling had the first live action show on Adult Swim. I remember. Yes, he did. Fat fat guy, fat guy, guy stuck, stuck in the internet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been doing a long time, and it's all been one story. I think we love. Uh, I think maybe just coming from Marvel and loving things like Stephen King and Lost, you know, I think we really just made it one story. And, um, you know, and in my mind, even things that might not seem part of the story, I could explain to you how they are part of the story. And we have multiple universes going on, and it all plays into the cartoon. Um, And so the nice thing about the Forever skits is we're still kind of setting up the cartoon, uh, which which is something that happens in the future in terms of the story. 
And um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to have this universe and and to care about it and to kind of take care of it like a little spice garden. <laughs> and uh, you know, we just um, keep on adding layers to it, keep on building it. If we reference something, it'll come back in two records because we orig- originally referenced a ghost and a robot on MC Chris's Hell, and that was in 2008. Now it's 2014. So six years later, we kind of are acting out something that we just kind of mentioned briefly on a record. What I mean specifically, one of the cooler examples of doing that is uh, is Smack a Baby, which was in a skit first, right? Yeah, it was in a skit, and then it was a real song. And then it became a song, yeah. And now it's something that people uh, love and scream at me all the time. <laughs> uh, uh, we- it used to be Reese's Pieces, right? What did you? It, that used to be the thing that people did the most. Throw- uh, they still do. They still are <laughs> Reese's Pieces almost every night of tour. Which what, is, I have to. I have to write a song about carrots or something. Something healthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, what out of all of your stuff? What's the thing that gets brought up the most? Kind of. Um. Well, God, I don't know. That's a tough one. I mean, Smack a Baby is a big one. I mean, that gets screamed at me at the show a lot. I think people just like screaming the word Smack a Baby. Uh, but it's also, you know, they're kind of like living the skit themselves. Of course. Um. But I, you know, everyone loves Fets Vet, and I think that's like that's my hit. And but I, you know, I always say to them like, "There's no chance that I'm not going to do that." Uh, this <laughs> Fets Vet, you mean? Yeah. We were watching the Oscars and Bette Miller was singing Wind Beneath My Wings. And I'm like, this is her Fets Vet. Yeah. You know, she's always going to have to do that song for the rest of her life. People tell, ask me, like, does that bother you? Or are you sick of it? And I'm like, no, I'm so glad something worked. You know, <laughs> I'll always be really happy to do that. I love that song. I love seeing how crazy the crowd gets. They could do the whole thing without me. I know? think the crowd could do most of your songs without you, though, right? In terms of, like, your crowd. I hope I, I hope I... Have a service I can provide. I didn't mean it like that, but you're, you're, I would say almost 90% of people going to your show know most of your songs. No, yeah, that's the best part is, is holding the mic at them and, and hearing something back. The worst part is when I do that and you hear nothing back. How often does that happen? Oh, maybe once or twice a tour. You'll be in, you'll be in a, a, a smaller room and, and people really won't know what, who you are, what to make of you, but you, get, you experience a variety of things on tour. Now, um, forever. I, can we talk about the songs a little bit, or the themes, maybe? Sure. I, I don't want to spoil stuff. Yeah, because we mentioned that there's Ghostbuster songs, and not only are there Ghostbuster songs, there's Ghostbuster songs for every Ghostbuster. Yes, including the unofficial Lewis Tully, which makes me happy. And honestly, I was weirdly enough, I was a big Winston fan as a kid. Winston was always my favorite. I always liked the underdog. Yeah, I liked writing the Winston song a lot because I didn't know all the things that I found out about No, him. and I learned, that's what I was about to say, I learned so much so that I called my friends and was like, did you know that Winston was, was I don't want to spoil it, but, yeah, where did you... In the Air Force? Did yeah, you know what the, the Air fuck? Force and that's the thing I brought training, up to people. Martial arts training? Yeah. I didn't know that. No, I thought he was just a dude who found a help wanted Ed. Like, was that, yeah. all, is that all extended universe stuff? No, that's all from the novelization. And, um, and then I'd make a reference to the video game... Uh, some of the backstory they reveal in the video game, which I considered part of the canon. Yeah, totally, dude. No, it, it's amazing, especially being such a Ghostbusters fan, not knowing stuff about Ghostbusters kind of bugged me out. That's the, fu- that's the funnest part of my job, or the most fun, to be- speak correctly, um, <laughs> is to find stuff out about... I mean, I'm researching the Joker right now, and I don't. there's all this stuff I didn't know. That I, I, that's what I love about doing this, is because you think you know everything, and then you just scratch the surface and you find out all this stuff and uh you know that's what makes research such like the most fun part of 
being MC Chris. I mean, writing the song is great, recording it is great, because you really because it all comes together. But when you're actually discovering these things, like that Venkman was raised in a circus and stuff, you know, you just <laughs> I love finding this stuff out. You know, it's the most fun part. It sounds like you're making it up, but you're really not, which is what's amazing. No, yeah, I mean, and I don't, you know, I get I try to get really. Uh, concrete and and you know i don't consider the cartoon to be part of the canon and i don't consider the comic to be part of the canon so i i make a select choice about what i'm going to take information from and and um and then try to throw in as much as i possibly can you know yeah so other than ghostbusters though you you cover a gamut of of kind of geek things and can i i guess it's not go just, ahead just all right dude just let it out you got fucking wednesday adams you got luigi you got my little pony friendship is magic I mean, how other than the Ghostbuster stuff, why, why those specific songs? Um, well, I think uh, My Little Pony was just a uh, April Fool's Day song that hadn't been released, and um, you know, I think it's an, an important song about about kind of uh, letting your own freak flag fly. And you know, there had been a, a story about a kid that had hung himself because he was getting bullied for playing. My Little Pony, and then anytime My Little Pony would get mentioned on my site, uh, and the same thing happens with Juggalos. People get really upset, and they start all start fighting with each other. And, I have a Juggalo question for you later from Twitter. And actually. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just felt like Juggalos, Bronies, nerds—it it all felt very similar to me. And that um, you know, we really should be looking for ways to unite rather than ways to divide, and we shouldn't let our differences be you know, the reason why we're getting into these flare-ups, but they should be, like, what brings us together. And, um, and you know, it's just I, I saw a lot of bigotry, really, and a lot of persecution for people, and that I didn't think it was necessary because, you know, there are always going to be bad nerds and, and bad juggalos and even bad bronies that kind of made the scene look bad, but that wasn't the scene, you Cloppers. know? Cloppers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I included it because I felt like it was an important song. I know that people wanted to have official access to it, and I might think everybody has access to a song, but they don't, and so uh, I just want to get it on there and make sure everyone gets it and, and can have it. Did, and... you, did you watch the show to research it, obviously? Oh, yeah, I did, and I thought it was good. Yeah, I dug it. I watched a few episodes of the show. I, 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 like, I, I, I myself am not a brony, but it was totally enjoyable. No, so, I, thought yeah. it was, I thought it was well done. I mean, the whole um, – there's a lot of people that make cartoons. Uh, Craig McCracken's whole yeah. uh, Brat Pack or whatever you'd want to call it. A lot of really talented people that um, you know make good cartoons, you know? And uh, it was a very simple, uh, you know, thing, and it was just very, a very simply drawn thing, and, um, you know, it was very computerized, it looked like it was done like an illustrator, I don't know, or maybe Flash, uh, but I thought, you know, for what it was, it was it was really well done, and then it was fun, too, and the characters were really um, strongly written, and, uh, you know, they are very easy to understand, and, and very separate from each other, very different from each other, and... And I like that, you know. I, I definitely didn't get into it. I'm not a brony, like you said, but uh, I definitely approve of it. And I, I approve of anyone that gets perse- persecuted. I, I want to, like, defend them, and I want to uh, remind everyone that they're people, too, and, and they're not that different from you or the thing that you're crazy about. We're all crazy about something, and we all want to feel like we're part of something because, you know, maybe we're, we're missing out on some things. So we feel emotionally a little bankrupt, and so we need that extra thing. And, you know, we're all the same in that regard. And so 
it's just kind of an anti-persecution song. But there's also, people have pointed out, it's kind of a libertarian song about, <laughs> you can't tell me, uh, you know, it's kind of an anti-government you song. You can't tell me I have to pay taxes. <laughs> you can't tell me to, to not, you know, grow weed or, no, or totally get do. married to someone of, a, of the same gender. And, um, you know, and so there was a bigger point there. And I never know I'm going to make these points until I write them, but it's just how it, how it came out. So, That's awesome. yeah. Now, what, what about, like, Luigi's, <laughs> Luigi's song? Which Luigi, is Luigi, you know, there's just a lot of songs like Wednesday Adams and, yeah, yeah, that kind of and stuff, Tony yeah. and Luigi that I felt had that motif of a haunted building, a haunted mansion, or a haunted hotel. And that would be, like, my starting point. And, um, and then I would just kind of, you know, approach the subject in a way that I thought was good. Well, you know, you're doing the research and you kind of have an idea. Like, with Wednesday, I had, like, the point of view kind of came to me pretty clearly and I thought that was a really fun song to write, really fun song to research. And, um, you know, and I, you know, you love that Adam's Family Values, uh, the sequel, um, is, is so much fun. And, um, and so it was great to make that as well. Yeah. When I, when I was in, I was in Tokyo, uh, in November and I met this, um, Japanese girl who was cute and we were kind of flirting, but I didn't speak any Japanese and she didn't speak any English. So, uh, there's this, there's this, um, texting program app thing over there. And she sent me a picture of Wednesday Adams from uh, Adams Family Value, and I fucking fell in love so much, dude. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, I think Wednesday, Wednesday Adams was kind of, you know, I try to think of my albums like a Snickers bar, and it should have all the ingredients that you'd come to expect. And so there's always like a love song or a nerd girl kind of song on there, and, and Wednesday was definitely like the nerd girl song of the album. Where yeah, I mean, I think a lot of nerds have crushes on Wednesday, and a happy one too, because the one of the other nerd girl songs you did, uh, I it's on um, is it would be Friends Part Four, the Batgirl song. Mm-hmm. It's so devastating. I love the song, but I can't hear it without getting sad. Yeah, no, I mean, um, and that's told from Robin's point of view, and they're they're very similar songs that and Wednesday because they're told from a boy's point of view that's in love with the female character, um, which is, is, you know, that, that motif or that MC Chris motif of, of unrequited, unrequited love, love yeah. just being in love with something that's kind of out of reach or kind of unattainable, which is something I definitely experienced. Uh, you know, you can listen to this on cookie breath and that was, uh, my first, uh, hardcore experience with unrequited love. Although thinking back, it happened many times before, probably going back as far as like third grade and first grade. <laughs> now, now that you're a married man though, is that going to change on further albums? Um, no, I mean, I think, uh, the things that work are going to always be there. And I think I found ways to talk about my relationship with my wife and, and I found ways to like not change as well. You know, I think I'm always evolving, always becoming something different. Um, but it's not going to be just because I'm sober or just because I'm married doesn't mean I don't understand what goes on a record of mine. And, uh, I always want to try to bring that stuff cause I am very OCD and, you know, I like to you know, know what I'm getting. And, and, um, I like to be surprised, but I also like to know what to expect. And so that stuff's always going to be there. Cause that's just part of the experience of life. I'm always just writing about what I've gone through. And, and, uh, I think that's what people relate to. Um, now in terms of themes that you haven't done or kind of dream stuff, has there any, has there ever been a song that you've wanted to do over the years, but just couldn't, couldn't nail for some reason or a subject matter that you've yet to tackle that you've always wanted to? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I, I want to do a Simpsons album. I mean, I had a Ralph Wiggum song, uh, for eating is not cheating. Um, and then, um, Bloodhound Gang, I think made a Ralph Wiggum song. And so, you know, I think that kind of ticked the idea out the door. But since then I've become, I've kind of become an, a born again Simpsons fan. 
So I like Simpsons a lot. Um, there's stuff that I, I have a lot of stuff planned right now, like um, the sequel to the album Friends, where I'm making a Batman Villains album. I want to make a uh, Super Friends album, which is kind of a JLA uh, album. I want to. I have a Marvel themed album coming up um, that's going to follow forever. Um, so I'll be actually doing DC and Marvel kind of at the same time oh, nice. over probably the next two years. And um, and then I get to go uh, into one of my favorite things, which is noir. Uh, I'll be doing a kind of a noir detective album. Um, and, uh, you know, so I keep on having these ideas, things I want to write about and talk about. And I haven't, re- I ha- and I haven't even touched on G.I. Joe yet. I think there actually <laughs> might be like an MC Chris uh, Goes to War album. Because uh, so many of so many of my fans are actually soldiers stationed overseas, oh, wow. yeah. making an album specifically for them, where I go to Afghanistan or something like that. <laughs> it's kind of like a Bob Hope uh, thing, U- USO thing, just, yeah, yeah, or... me, and it'd be like dedicated to them. And um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that I want to do, and I don't. I hope there's enough lifetime to do it all do you, do you ever feel like releasing single tracks on their own outside of an album when you get the idea for it like oh shit nope. i really want to write a song about you know usually when i release a single it's free it's like a parody like i you know i did one of call me maybe yeah or zombies um and then you did I the, the, the kesha one right the, uh, yeah I did the kesha one i think the april fool song will be for sale this year oh, nice. uh, so but we'll see if i can get that all figured out in the time that i have right on dude um, now, I guess let's go let's go to some. If you don't mind answering some questions from fans and stuff, and again, anything you want to do, Matt. A lot of them are like, when are you come to Australia, please come to Australia. <laughs> a lot I of would fans love in to Australia. Come to Australia. Um, and uh, you know, I've never MC Chris has only kind of been in England, and we've touched into Canada, uh, but we've never done Europe or the East or down under or any of that stuff and i would love to do it all i would love to see if i have any fans it'd be cool to do that now rather than later yeah is there any way that people can help you get that together like if we have any australian fans who know venues venue they can contact their venue and the venues can contact their booking agents and their booking agents can contact my booking agents i have a very official uh booking agent at the agency group his name is david galea and if people want to contact him and ask him to do a show you know i think he's open to anything um, I mean, my punk friends are definitely all over Europe and stuff, and I'm really jealous, and they have smaller tours, and I'd be happy to do that stuff. I have no uh, prima donna uh, kind of tendencies when it comes to touring. I can definitely rough it and play small places. I would love to do that stuff. Right on. Awesome, man. Um, another question. This is from Justin Prine on Twitter. Gathering of the Juggalo experience. Were the clowns nice? Oh, no, they weren't. I mean, they... You know, they were all throwing stuff at me, and uh, which is very par for the course. Yeah, that's what they do, uh, I but, think. But, you know, yeah. I, it was one of those things where it was the closest I'll ever come to jumping out of a plane, is what I like to say. Like, my <laughs> adrenaline was super high. Uh, you know, a town car had driven me through the woods uh, for a really long time. I thought we were lost, and then it pulled into the place and pulled up to the stage, and I literally got out of the car and walked onto the stage. And, um, and they were all throwing shit at me. And, um, a lot of it was like hitting like full beers, unopened beers, like hitting me. And it was really, uh, physically frightening. Um, 
And then someone threw like a two liter of Fago up on stage and I just poured, poured it on my head. (laughs) Uh, And um, while I was rapping and they all, that kind of won everybody over. I think what I learned that day is what they wanted to see was to see you not give up. Like they're basically like, who are you? Fuck you. But if they see you not like, you know, get all huffity puffy and walk off stage, then they really, they really respect that. So by the end of the set, they were chanting family and, and you know, a, the um, psychopathic records has always been very uh, have always been big fans, and they asked me to sign with them a couple times. I think when I stepped off stage, they all handed me business cards and stuff. <laughs> um, you know, I've never listened to the music, and I've I've never really wanted to be a part of another big thing like that. You know, I just felt like it wasn't a good fit. Um, but Juggle has come to my shows, you know, it almost may, every it, night of tour. It and make up and stuff. Not all, yeah crazy people and um you know it's just like it's just like humans or it's just like society and that sometimes there's going to be crazy people that do really horrible things but that's the same for like any group the the analogy i like to make is when serenity first came into theaters there were people like ruining the screenings and everyone started calling them reavers so now i say they're man there are always reavers in any group (laughs) yeah it's i think there's always bad apples and um just like i was talking about with bronies and um, and nerds. It's just that there are always going to be people that are just doing something wrong and fucking up, but that's not everybody. No, totally. And you can't really dismiss an entire group. And I think we have a lot of hatred inside of us, and we're always looking for somebody to hate and always looking for some target. And we just got to get over that stuff and get that stuff out of our minds because it really doesn't serve us in any way. You know, there's, I, I think... Um, you know, I, I'm always nice to the jugglers at the shows. I was happy that they had me at the gathering. I don't think I'll ever do it again, but it was a crazy experience. And then when I got off stage and I sold merch, there were a lot of really enthusiastic, nice people. And I think throwing stuff at me was really just, uh, kind of a baptism of sorts. So, you know, and I think what they really want to see is that strength because they want to feel that strength too. And they don't want to see weakness because I mean, obviously they're all, battling weakness you know they're all trying to put on a, a yeah front, a try to stay tough and stuff they're they're all going through something inside you know and that's i understand that stuff you know it makes sense to me i, I definitely don't uh look down on them i try not to look down on anybody i feel like that's just a step in the wrong direction right on, man. that's the way to be now let's a little bit lighter what kind of nerd stuff are you into these days any comics you're reading any any shows you're watching dude someone asked if you're watching um uh true detective on hbo of course. Yeah, that was uh, George Williams on Twitter. Did you, did you dig I it? Am. Yeah. I have no idea who the Yellow King is. Not a fucking clue. Me neither. My theory is that, you know, True Detective, this title of the show gives it away, and that it's not True Detectives, plural. It's, it's true one. Detective, yes. meaning one, meaning there's a true detective and a false detective. So I think that is a clue that Woody Harrelson's the bad guy. The but theory, I, I think the theory going around is that Woody's the bad guy, but but there's no real proof of it on the show yet. So. There's no real proof of it, but there's a lot of clues that point towards it. Um, but I think he's just, I think he's like a tuttle. You know, uh, they said that the family's really big, and maybe that's kind of pointing to him being a part of it. We just don't know. We'll find out next week. Um, but there's shows that I think I like even more than that. I, I love Hannibal. Oh, dude, right with uh, Mads Mikkelsen, right? I haven't checked yeah. it out yet, but my, I have it's a friend. Awesome. I really didn't like it in the beginning. I mean, I did like it in the beginning. I thought it was like a really kind of fucked up cop, buddy cop show, you know, but the <laughs> bad cop was actually a serial killer. Cannibal serial killer, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I got out of it, and then my friends just said, don't give up on it, and so I didn't, and we ended up loving it, and uh, it's one of my favorites. 
Um, what else do I enjoy? So I like Hannibal. Um, I love Assassin's Creed games. I love All Star Western. I'm reading Stephen King right now. I love Stephen King. What do you? Which one are you reading? I'm reading it. Nice. Um, so yeah, I love it. And the guy that made True Detective is going to be making it for the big screen. So are they making another it movie? I didn't know that. Yeah, they are. And I hope they like do a Hobbit where they just like split it up into like three three. Because it, it's tough. I mean, a lot of the stuff, the Stand and the Dark Tower, all the stuff that people have tried to make recently. It's like you need fucking eight hours for that, man. Like yeah. And they should give it. They should give them all those hours. <laughs> I agree with you, dude. I love, I love uh, Mad Men and Game of Thrones. And um, let's see. What else? We just finished House of Cards, and we fucking loved it. We think Netflix is awesome. Um, I love watching, like, British crime procedurals on Netflix. Like Luther I was just going to mention. I was just going to say Luther, yeah. Yeah, I love all that stuff. I love, I love England. There's so much murder there. It's, like, competent. <laughs> it's just, like, everyone's killing each other all the time. But I will but wouldn't no, go hang out with anybody. And if I lived in England, I was just like, I'm going to stay home. No, I don't need to go to that manor. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's never people getting killed in the streets either. It's always in an apartment or a weird thing in the country where there's like a thousand witnesses. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I love that. And, you know, I'm realizing there's a similarity because I'm doing, reading a lot of Batman now too that, you know, Batman's it's like a British murder mystery because they kind of introduce who the – masked villain is like there's just like a new character in gotham it's like that's obviously who the masked villain is you well, it's, know? it's almost like who's that pokemon did you, were you, did you ever watch pokemon i am not a pokemon guy so on every episode of pokemon at the commercial break uh the way pokemon worked when it first aired was there were 150 so they would introduce one new pokemon per episode that you'd never seen before but in every episode at the commercial break they'd they'd show you a silhouette of the new pokemon you just met for the first time and they'd go, who's that Pokemon? And when they came back, sure enough, every single episode of Pokemon in the history of existence, it's the fucking Pokemon you just met. Mm-hmm. There, it's, it's never, like, it's always the most ridiculous, obvious thing. So that's kind of become a meme uh, recently. Who's that Pokemon or whatever. Yeah, my fans are really into Pokemon, but I think I'm one generation too late. I think if you see me make a Pokemon album, it's probably meaning the career is coming to <laughs> I've run out of ideas. I'm now just doing what they want. <laughs> um, any, any? Co- are you still into comics, dude? Uh, yeah, like I said, I read All Star Western. I'm doing a lot of Batman research too. Um, I love Gotham lore. Uh, you know, I just read um, Gotham by Gaslight, where it's great. he's Jack the Ripper. And I love Gotham I love, by Gaslight. I love yeah. alternate uh, universe Batman's where that we just kind of see him in uh, different times. I love the the Return of Bruce Wayne series. You know, like seeing him be a pilgrim and a caveman and and a pirate and a noir detective i like yeah, i, I love, love him in different situations I, i'm typically a big fan of elseworld just comic stuff in general like uh did you ever read superman red sun where he's the communist russian no i have not oh that's not awesome superman guy uh i'm not a big superman guy either but there's there's a standalone graphic novel called superman red sun where it's what if superman landed in communist russia instead of rural kansas Mm-hmm. And he becomes like this this kind of champion of the state, and like the communists never lose, and they take over the world, and it's almost like the storyline in Injustice. I don't know if you played that. I played the video game. Yeah, it's kind of like that, where Superman becomes like the main cop for the entire world. He's a scary bad guy. That was a fun game, dude. I, I just got PS4 last week, and I hadn't played that yet, so so I grabbed that for it. I really dug that uh, the storyline. Yeah, no, I, I I played it on PS4 too, I think, and. Uh... Yeah, I really enjoyed it too. I mean, the, before I played it, I was thinking like, "This is so stupid," 
But I'm like, oh, well, duh, they're just gone to an alternate universe and they're fighting everybody in an alternate yes, universe. Yes, I, I, when I, yeah, exactly. This stuff all the time, so there was no reason to be so prejudiced about it. I, exa- I was like, when would fucking Green Arrow ever fight Harley Quinn? But then, yeah, I played the game and I got it. <laughs> that, that new Arkham Knight trailer looks... Did you see it? Yeah, it I, I watched so it today, dude. amazing. When the Harley Quinn is just killing all those cops. Um, I think... That, that, I th- I think, Paul awesome. D- I think Paul Dini wrote this one, too. The last two Arkham games have been fucking amazing. Yeah. And and, and, and the cutscenes, like, if you put them together, they're some of the best Batman movies ever. Yeah, no, the Arkham Origins was actually a lot of fun, and, and I love the movie Batman Returns, the second Tim Burton movie, that's so my, I felt like I was favorite, playing yeah. Batman Returns because it takes place during the winter. Yeah, man, that that's one of those things with me. Um, I grew, I was born in '84, so a lot of, like I saw Ghostbusters two before I saw Ghostbusters one. I saw yep. Die Hard three before I saw one. So I have that same thing with Batman Returns. That's always my favorite Batman movie because that was my first. Did you appreciate all the references to Ghostbusters two on the new album? Oh, absolutely, dude. Yo, I'm I'm a big yeah. Because I, I don't like that movie. Oh, but I, I do. Watched it and I studied it and I found every little thing I could reference in it. But I, I it's. Something that I knew the fans liked more than I did. I didn't know not to like it, and only as an adult went like, "Oh, it's not as good as the first one." I don't get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I made the I made the decision recently that I'm going to, if, when I have kids, I'm going to show them the original trailer first. I mean, original trilogy first, because I don't want them to. I don't want to ruin that moment where Darth Vader reveals that he's, that he's his father. Luke's yeah. father. I don't want to ruin that. So. Sometimes you, sometimes you have to do it in the wrong order. Yeah, that's a question people get asked now, is what chronology would you show your kids Star Wars? I don't even know that I'd ever want to show them the prequels. I feel like... Like, oh, like, I would. I like, would. Like Smoking Pot, I'd let them discover that shit on their own, you know, and then it's have like, it talk It's like them. the TV show S.H.I.E.L.D. It's like, you don't want to watch it, but it's canon. Yeah. So, if, it adds, if it's part of the story, then you kind of have to know what have you, doing. Have you been watching S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, it's like... I, it's I stopped, torture. dude. It's torture. It's bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Did you see Sleepy Hollow by any chance? Uh, I watched the first episode. I'm a really big fan of uh, Washington Irving and the original. Okay. And, you know, like, we've gone to the graveyard and gone to his house and gone to Sleepy Hollow. And, like, we love doing that. So I watched the first episode and I was like, can't do it. Yeah, I would see uh, how a big Irving it, fan. It's got yeah. such great ratings. It's fun, it's so dude. Popular. It's really fun. It was um, When they showed the trailers for all the new shows last year, that was the one that I laughed at the most. And it wound up being my favorite new show by far. Uh, well, I think I will take that recommendation, and I will I will start to watch because I, I I wanted to watch it. I, there's, there's so much TV to watch these days. It's lately, how especially uh, especially with Netflix and now Amazon's doing shows. I mean, there got Orphan Black and Returned. I'm trying to get through those two. And Orphan Black is great. Yeah, yeah. There's tons of stuff to watch. It's actually a great time to be a nerd. Oh, dude, it's amazing. I remember I, I said um, I remember being like 19 and going like, OK, I would buy a DVD and I'd watch it immediately or I'd buy a video game and I'd play it or I'd buy a book and I'd read it. I am now at a point in my life. The amount of unseen and unplayed content that I already own will last me forever. Yeah. If I, if I wasn't allowed to ever acquire anything anymore, I'd, I'd be good forever. Yeah, yeah. I am. I ha- I've been building a library of just books. Me too, and, dude. I've uh, actually been doing that with ebooks recently because, again, going back to my mom, no offense, but she threw out all my fucking books from my childhood. So the other day I was like, man, I want to reread all of Kirk Vonnegut. So I, I just bought them all, you know, on, on the yeah. ebook, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I, I actually hope that someone, like, prevents me from acquiring anything new so I'm forced to enjoy what I have because I definitely have enough for multiple lifetimes. 
And especially too with I I'm now I have Netflix I have Crunchyroll which is anime I've got the W I, are you a wrestling fan at all? Uh, I'm not. I mean, when I was a little kid, I mean, you couldn't kind of not be. Yeah, no, totally. Because now they just launched uh, the WWE Network, which is basically Netflix for wrestling. Oh my gosh! So that's all my life has become. I was hoping that would involve like sitcoms starring the wrestlers. No, but they they are doing reality shows. There's a show coming out called Legend House. That's um hacksaw Jim Duggan, Roddy Rowdy Piper, Diamond Dallas Page, all living together like surreal lifestyle. Yeah, I have friends that love that stuff and actually are wrestlers and I have fans that are wrestlers and uh, yeah, it's, some, it's definitely not going anywhere. Yeah, there's a crossover too because I, I hadn't been into wrestling since I was a kid and then the last year or two I kind of got back into it and I, it, it shocked me to realize like how many geeks are also into wrestling and then I realized oh, it's basically they're just superheroes, you know? Yeah, I love the movies actually. Uh, the, the WWE movies that they've put like out this, like, for the this, past 10 years. Yeah, WWE Studio. Did you see The Chaperone with Triple H? I think I might have. I think, I think I've seen like all of them, and That's I think awesome, I love them. I saw the horror movie one and the... Um... The Kane one, See No Evil, where he, it ends with him peeing... In, it ends with a dog peeing in his eye socket. Yeah, I think I saw that one. Yeah, they're um they're putting out um a Scooby-Doo WrestleMania movie saw that. this month. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know, man. It might be just weird enough to hit that right part of my stoner brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I can see. I can see a kid not giving a shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh no, no. Kids being don't like, oh, this makes perfect sense to me. I don't know why you're having a hard time with this. Um. So, how can folks here forever? What's the best way for them to get it? Uh, you can go to mcchris.com and click on store, and it's on the front page of the store. Is the best way to get it. And it comes in three different versions. Um, there's a non-deluxe, a deluxe, and a mega deluxe. Even though the mega deluxe is sold out twice in the pre-order, which That's is awesome. awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, I actually will be putting up new mega deluxe bundles uh, either tonight or tomorrow. Um, and so that's going to be available for everybody again. But there's just a hundred of them that I'm making. And mcchris.com in general is a good hub for you because it's got all your music yeah. and all your merch and you do great sales on a lot of your shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, we have a new thing called the mystery shirt where you buy a shirt for half price and you don't know what you're going to get. Oh, nice. We just send you whatever. And I can't, I'm so surprised by how much everybody loves this idea. Oh, dude, you know how many times I've been wearing an MC Chris shirt and a stranger's walked up to me and started to, you know what I mean, talked about you? Like it's, Yeah, it's, no, it's, I, I love that. I love hearing those stories. People just give each other random high fives because they're both wearing my clothes or one person's wearing my clothes. Yeah. I think it's cool because it's not, it's not mass. It's like definitely like an underground thing, and it definitely gives you a sense of what that person's like immediately. One hundred percent. You know that you could be friends with that person if they're also yeah, wearing an MC. You might even be able to get some weed. No, dude, absolutely. Or they'll know someone who can get you it. Yeah, and they'll probably help you, take care of you, feed you. Um. So so mcchris.com for forever. Um. And then albums coming out soon. Someone asked on Twitter, uh, "When's the next kids album dropping?" Or if you have plans for it. Uh, yeah, the plan is to have it out this summer. Um, we'll see how I do. Um, it, it's something I definitely want to finish. I want to finish it before the kids that heard the first one are, well, they're still kids. Um, but, you know, I might uh, be more focused on uh, finishing Foes up if it takes longer than I thought it would. Foes so, is the follow-up to Friends? Foes is the follow-up to Friends, and I'm working on that right now, and I'll be working on that for the rest of the spring. And I'll have that ready for the summer. And I hope to have Campground done, too. We've recorded the skits and have, like, nine songs. We definitely have a lot of stuff uh, already done. And I just have to crack it open and take a look at if I think it's ready or not. And uh, we'll see. 
You know, I definitely want to get it out to everybody as soon as I possibly can because I know a lot of kids are waiting for it. And I am so sorry about the delay, but I'm sure you all have attention deficit and uh, <laughs> are focusing on something else. We said they have Netflix. They have there are a million apps now, dude. No one, you know what I mean. Everyone's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and anything else coming up in the future to look out for from you, man? Um, just Warp Tour. Uh, I hope to be really have at least two more releases before the end of the year. And then next year, uh, 2015, I'll have another full length and hopefully a baby. And uh, not, a ba- not a baby album, a human baby. A human baby. I hope <laughs> to make a human baby in my lab. We'll see if I can do that or not. If you can get um, the beats, if we can get Furtado to make the beats, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, I got a bunch of stuff happening right now and definitely a lot of plans for albums into the uh, future and. Um, you know, I'm very thankful to the fans for letting me have this life. It's an amazing experience. And, you know, today we went and saw Gravity and had a butterbeer at Starbucks. And I was just like, I love my life. You how, know? Is, how is the butterbeer hack at Starbucks? It's not bad. Okay. It's not bad. I it's, done not, it. it's not exactly like the Universal Studios butterbeer, which is like, you know, French kissing an angel. <laughs> uh, but it comes very close. And, um, but you know, it's I like, had it's like regular, it's like day. regular, regular, I don't, have some, I don't have some boss, you know, like shouting down at me. I don't have some label dropping me. I just have a lot of love and awesome fans and I feel very lucky. I hope they enjoy the new record. I worked on it for a long time and, um, you know, I'm very appreciative and very thankful. Awesome, dude. And folks can keep up with you on Twitter at, uh, at underscore MC Chris. Thank you. Right. And Facebook at just MC Chris. Facebook, uh, yeah, all the links are on mcchris.com to my Tumblr, my Twitter, and my Facebook. Exactly. And my Instagram. So, yeah, so when you're buying yeah, the album, page. when you're buying the album, check out all the links. Yes, please do. Exactly. And thank you, Matt. Oh, dude, for all thank the you. Over the years for no, being man. such a great fan, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much, dude. From the theme song to just your support of Smodco to to your music in general, man. This has really been super cool, and it's been great to talk with you, bro. I hope we get to do this again sometime. Well, I needed a uh, a family when you guys showed up, and you guys showed up just in the nick of time, and you guys made me feel great, and you helped me when I was down, and I'll never forget it. I'll always be in your debt. Awesome, dude. I appreciate it, man. I no really worries. do. And uh, everybody go out and get MC Chris forever. Get MC Chris forever uh, at mcchris.com, and uh, I'll see you on tour this summer at Warp Tour. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Matt. Sweet. You guys, was it everything you hoped and dreamed it would be? Oh, that show. What a cool guy. Thank you to MC Chris for helping us out and uh, taking the time to chat with me on Bagged and Boarded. Uh, I'm sure you're already at MC Chris's website right now, but if you're some, for some, for some, for some reason, uh, slow on the trigger finger, head over to mcchris.com and get your copy of Forever right now because it is awesome. And while you're there, pick up some t-shirts. Maybe do that mystery shirt. Maybe grab some old albums, guys. Come on. Come on, treat yourselves. And uh, what did we learn today? We learned that I get really nervous when talking to people I like. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. And uh, we'll be back next week. Follow me on Twitter, at Cameltoad. Check me out on YouTube. I'm doing a web series thing called Stoner Science, which I think you guys would all dig. Basic concept. Someone gets stoned. They then explain science. Uh, It ain't. Hey, guys, it doesn't all have to be... uh, Chaucer's Canterbury Tales. Sometimes it could just be Matt Cohen's Stoner Science. And uh, so check that out. YouTube, Camel Toad Productions. Follow me on Twitter. If you ever want to email me, we've got a new email address for the show, folks. 
If you want to leave a message for the show, if you've got a question, a query, a queef, uh, queef, I would record that and send it in. But all the other stuff, just email me. The new address for for the jump off is Cameltoe. I almost fucked up my own name. And you know what? A smart pass, uh, podcaster would go back and edit this last like 20 second little bridge. But you know what? Maybe I'm not a smart podcaster. Maybe I'm just a passionate one. Uh, Cameltoadmail at gmail.com. C-A-M-E-L-T-O-A-D mail at gmail. And uh, let us hear your beautiful voices. Uh, Cameltoadmail at gmail.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Matt Cohen. Been bagged and boarded. It has been real. What? Jesse, watch lots of movies, get mad ladies, smoke mad doobies, beg and board it, it's a way in life, tell your friends, tell your moms, tell your hoe, tell your wife, coming at you on a weekly basis, kicking up pod for your sexy faces, who's the two free geeks you want to bone, in the secret podcast bunker all alone, on the internet we be the top crooks, we got issues and we owe me funny books, homie Jimmy Moore and the dinos are chilling, me and JR, we got the top billing, sit down, relax, and yo, and take a seat, get ready for the top podcast, do all agree, I'll just spit loud, but I can spit faster, I'm Matt Cohen, I'm the Geek Master. We got everything you could possibly want in it. An hour of us in the Brando minute. I'm a little laid back and he's making a maniacal. We just talking shit. Who said the show was viable? Walking in the door, smoking that Jimmy Moore. You're listening from Alabama, all the way to Singapore. We're just two weeks and that's the topic of discussion. Had each other's boats on the green on nothing. Quick stop at night, we're storming like a typhoon. It's not right, it's wrong. It's taking lots of bonkers. We're each and every show, everyone celebrates. Because we got comics, movies, and a little penetration. I regret every episode as soon as it's recorded. Because I'm down to earth and matters out in orbit. We're not Quite right, our thoughts are distorted. So now we present to you another bag and boarded. Bagged and boarded, 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 bagged and boarded. Yeah! This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.